Welcome to Design by Us. My name is Ravi Chohan, and on the podcast today with me is the one and only Luigi Dintrano here. The one and only. What a surprise! God, one day somebody will be will say somebody else, and everyone will be like, "Oh my God, what's this?" I'm actually going to listen what, to this. What happened? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What happened? Yeah. Uh, How's it going? Awesome. It's all everything is going really great. Besides, you waking God, up in the, in the morning with your alarm. <laughs> That's Seriously, it. everything's That's life. So, so for those who 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 Ravi has like, he wakes up at five, but then <laughs> what he has is one alarm every five minutes that he doesn't really wake up for. So yeah, that's a that's a problem when you share a wall. But anyway, everything else is going is going great, great, great. All right, what are we talking about today, man? Today we're talking about football and branding and design. All right, and we're gonna ask and answer the question. Well, we're going to try and answer it, but we'll certainly ask it. You know, how can design help a football team on the pitch? And how can it help a football team uh, in its um, in the way in its brand? And how can it help it uh, like raise its international profile and its profile in general? And today we're going to be talking about often hated, um, particularly by, well, pretty much by everybody. We're going to be talking about PSG, uh, which is Paris Saint-Germain, which is a football club in uh paris and in france and uh, they've got a really cool story that we'd like to share with you yeah yeah i think psg is actually a really good use case or case study for for this example in particular and I'm, let me walk you through a, a quick timeline um just so we all get an idea of, of psg was acquired in 2011 but it's actually acquisition for this club is, is not something new it was acquired actually a few times and um, initially it was a a, a community-based club they had about 20,000 board, member, board members or, or community members that made the decisions for the club. Then it was acquired by some French rich uh, businessman in 1973. Then by the TV channel Canal Plus in 1991. Uh, and then again in, in 2006 with the arrival of Colony Capital, which I think was an investment fund. Uh, and finally in 2011, which, which we're going to be talking about afterwards, when the Emir of Qatar, pretty much uh, you, through the, the state-run shareholding organization, pretty much bought the, the, the PSG. Um, so that, that's, that's just a, a really brief timeline. But what I want to touch upon in, in this first section of the, of the show is a few things. Is that brand growth in football is not new. And I'm going to... Right now, we're seeing this massive growth, and I think it's just it's just growing exponentially at the moment. Uh, but if you actually think about it, in going from from televised um, football clubs, initially it wasn't playing football and then broadcasting them on television. Not all the clubs had the ability to do that. So you could also see that as a way of increasing your or your brand awareness and 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 how do you make people believe and and follow you. If you have the, the means to do that, then that means that more people watch your games, you will might make more revenue, but in the end of the day, you might acquire a bigger fan base. So that's a good example. And right now, because it's, we just have bigger means to distribute the content, distribute the games and distribute the, the merchandise, then that means that those teams that have the, the, the monetary power to do that, that means they can do that in, in a much wider scale and acquire a bigger fan base. Uh, and the other thing that I want to talk about is Let's ju let's just talk a bit of numbers. PSG recorded a negative net income in the season of uh, since 1998 
all the years until 2000, uh, 2011 so when they were acquired. So basically they were losing money. Yeah. Yeah. Every every year until they were acquired in 2011, which basically the debt was pretty much paid off by the Emir of Qatar or the, the Qatar Sports Investments, which is called QSI. They were they pretty much paid the debt, uh, which was, was about the, the value of the club. We we're going to talk about it later, but the value of the club was about 100 million. And then they have to pay an extra bit for the for that. And the other bit that I want to talk about is the bad habit of that PSG has on buying play very expensive players and then selling them for less uh, or yeah, even nice. for sounds free. like a business. Yeah, sounds like a really good business. So I'm going to give you a few a good examples here. Real Madrid, they bought Nicolas Anelka in the year 2000 for 34.5 million and then they sold Anelka for 15 million in 2002, two years later, to Manchester City. Not sure 15 why. 15 million loss. Wow. Not sure. Not sure if they didn't have the power to encourage the players or like to make the players grow or or you know I don't I don't know if if, if it's a, a a culture issue, but they bought Ronaldinho in 2001 and then they sold him for 32 million in in 2003. And I believe the initial transfer was about 10 million. So they actually made a a profit on that one uh, but then there are players like Pochettino which is a current uh, uh, the PSG coach Anelka Pauletta uh, all of those and there's going to be a link in the show notes that you can check all the transfers since the very beginning of of PSG most of them were either bought at a very high price and then sold at a very low price or they were even given us as free transfers and Ronaldinho, I think, is one of the, the, the smallest exceptions. And as you know, he became the superstar in Barcelona afterwards. But so it might have not been the right time to sell him. But anyway. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So it sounds like then on paper then, like this, this, you know, football team wasn't the most, at least on paper, it doesn't look like a good acquisition, right? Before they bought the club, they were just losing money on loads of transfers. And, you know, why would you try and buy that? Like, what is the, what do you think is the reason why QSI, uh, the Qataris, bought PSG? If you think about it from the, the, the European scale, you have Italian clubs. They have a massive brand. It's, it's just a massive reputation. English clubs, again, same. France, is, it has such a good branding. And we were talking about this earlier today. Paris has such a big branding as a city but it doesn't really have a football club. So I think the opportunity they saw is not, we're not gonna treat this as a, as a football club. This is an opportunity to create a, a brand, a style of living, uh, something that represents the club, the, the city, and that goes beyond just football. So I think that's how they saw it. Amazing, well, that's a beautiful segue because they bought the club in 2011. Uh, yeah. Two years later, they contracted uh, Dragon Rouge, which is a, they call themselves a global creative agency to rebrand PSG. And um, they said a couple of things after they rebranded it. We'll quickly discuss how they did it. What they first did is they took the existing PSG logo type, which means it's like the, the graphic uh, and the words, and they basically just tweaked it and they made it more modern. If you're interested to see exactly how it looks like, feel free uh, just to Google it or check out the show notes. But when they when they did it, they said they said some properly um, pretentious stuff. You know that people say when they're mm -hmm. kind of doing rebrands and that kind of stuff. So they said. Our three challenges were to embody the mythical dimension of its identity. So, so far they've said nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the challenges. To enhance yeah. the brand's prestige. Fair enough. And to finally consolidate the link between multiple audiences and the brand. We sought to propel PSG to be among the world's leading sports and lifestyle brands. And I think that's the move that they were trying to make. 
with with the new branding they made the words paris more prominent on the logo and they made the eiffel tower i would say a bit less abstract a bit more literal so they're kind of playing off like you were saying hey we're the paris football team yeah what's interesting as well is they said uh, as part of one of those three challenges they said they need to consolidate the link between multiple audiences and the brand okay in english at least i interpret that to mean hey what we want to do is we want to make sure that the paris Saint Germain brand is applicable to audiences in the States uh, and other growing football markets. And the best way for them to do that was to tag it onto the, the kind of idea of Paris. So uh, it's blue. They've put a massive Eiffel Tower in the middle. Uh, they've gotten rid of what used to be a crib, which kind of uh, was supposed to represent some King Louis, one of the Louis being born in Paris. And they've put a big Eiffel Tower in the middle and they've made Paris, the word Paris massive on it as well. Mm. So I think for me, they are just saying, hey, Paris, Paris, Paris. Not even yeah. football, football, football. Like their their first logo was a football. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with a sh- with a ship in it. And now it's just like Paris, 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 which is really interesting, I think. Yeah. I mean the logo doesn't really strike me as I'm happy to talk about the, the, the players acquisition afterwards, but the logo, I don't think the logo will make a massive difference. Or I really don't think that logos create football fans afterwards. It's it's all about the whole how you behave as a brand and as a club afterwards. What will make the impact? And I, one of them, yeah, exactly. One of the, yeah, I was gonna say like you know, a logo is frankly it's just a logo, right? What it, what yeah. I, I'm not sure if I said this before, but at least in my opinion, there's nothing inherent about the Coca-Cola logo which makes it a good logo. It's the fact that you see it 15 times a day that makes mm-hmm. it really cool and every memorable, and yeah. ubiquitous, yeah. Yeah, and and that's what they're trying to do with the with the Paris Saint Germain brand. Just attach it so closely to the Paris as a city brand that that it just because it's like Manchester City, you go to Manchester, and the first thing you think is Manchester United, right? Manchester. Exactly, and what's interesting as well is you know you we go to London, and the first thing you think is Watford Football Club. First thing you think. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. Sorry, continue. Well, is, it, is it? No, no, it's interesting. It's interesting because like not only they're tying it to, I think you know actually in the transfers they made after, and it's, this is kind of how business strategy times in with ties in with brand and design, but basically they had a business strategy of attracting massive players afterwards, if that makes sense. And, yeah. um, and I think to what extent is my question, did the brands of the players that they bought afterward help the brand of the company and the football club? So, so that was my point, right? It's a part of it. It's not just the logo. It's, it's how you behave as a club and how, what type of players are gonna play for this for this team? And if you Atletico de Madrid, awesome example is you see those type of players that really they're not superstars. They're re- they play really well, but they're not superstar superstars. They don't have a massive ego. They maybe do, but they fight for the shirt, right? And and that's a big a big part of that is Simeone, the, the coach. But anyway, going back to to PSG, uh, I'm just gonna give you a few some overview here. After they got acquired by Qatar Sports Investments, and they bought super famous players with big personal brands uh, like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, David Beckham, Pastore. Those were one of the the, few, the the very first ones. And then we have Cavani, Thiago Silva, David Luiz, Angel Di Maria, and finally Neymar, which is the biggest transfer. And then Messi, most recently. But anyway. So the, the way I want to walk this, this brand acquisition is 
let's let's think of of branding as a journey right so you go f the user or the the fan first goes through brand awareness brand image brand equity and finally brand loyalty and and the user starts making actions to to go from one place to another brand awareness they know about paris saint germain they know they know exist the brand image is is just they start becoming they maybe watching a few games here and there or or they they engage with the brand in, in some way. They they know it exists, they recognize it. Brand equity, they somehow belong to it. And then finally, brand loyalty is just those superpower users. And and Phil Knight, the Nike CEO, had something really interesting about how players, uh, and just, just for context, Nike was one of the very first brands that decided to take personal branding for, for athletes to the next level. And it, it was with the Jordans. So he said something yeah. really interesting. Yeah, that's, that's, in, that's, that's interesting. I just, just sorry to interrupt, but like, yeah, that's interesting because like, I guess for us, it's weird for a football club to like buy a player because they've got a great personal brand, but it's totally not weird for Nike to sign a player and make sure that they're wearing their boots because they've got a great personal brand. And it's, yeah. it's almost like they're doing the exact same thing pretty much. Right. Yeah. But it's basically, the thing is. Michael Jordan, he he kind of brought the Chicago Bulls to the next level. He made the Chicago Bulls the Chicago Bulls, right? Similar, okay. Knight, uh, Phil Knight says uh, then something about people don't concentrate their emotional energy on products in the way fans abandon themselves to the heroes of their games. And it, this is why what is really interesting is that people, if you see PSG as a brand, people would follow PSG as well but they will follow it as much as the players actually leave the shirt on the pitch, you know? And I, I, this is something really interesting that I thought about with United. United, not until recently, they acquired Cristiano and over the last three, four years is when you start seeing that they actually fight for the, the, the shirt. And you can feel it in the, in the fans. So anyway, so that's, that's part of, of the brand awareness is by, I think by acquiring a few players, you start making fans aware of of what your brand stands oh. for yeah absolutely yeah absolutely yeah sorry do you have what do you think about this do you have any you're a you're a brand marketeer right so t tell, tell me what are your perspectives on this i love the word marketeer because to me it just makes it sound like you're a pirate i'm a marketeer on the high seas but no um yeah obviously complete completely agree um for me one of the things i like about united up until kind of the last few years uh, it's kind of been, a, it's been the shirt above, above the players almost. And I think, you know, realistically, how long can that continue with the, with the profile of these, of the players as, as they grow and as they become like massive global celebrities, you know, really at some point it does become the players over the shirt. Mm -hmm. But for me, I, I'd always rather follow a, a team with a, with a team mentality rather than a few superstars kind of doing it for themselves, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's that's what's happening with with Atletico, right? Yeah, that's what I really I really like Atletico brand. That's part of their yeah exactly know, part, part of the brand. Yeah. But then, if you if you actually think about it, the, the brand image Atletico had also big superstars. But the brand image, like you have Falcao for example, or you had Diego Costa, etc. Right? But the brand image of itself, of of this football club. I think is mainly driven, not 100%, but mainly driven by the personality and the brand of the players that they decide to bring into the team. So are these players fearless? Are, there, are these players, do they play for the shirt? 
what type what type of personality do they have? Do they have a massive ego? Do you do they play as a team, right? And and that's I do think that the players play such a massive role on how the brand image is perceived and then it's built after that, right? And a good, really good example is Eric Cantona for United. And mm -hmm. I, there is a, a really interesting uh, United documentary. And when Ferguson comes in, he says, we need a player that represents the brand and that has, that has that I don't give a fuck attitude and I do whatever I want. And that was Eric Cantona in United. I definitely, I don't know if you have watched this documentary, but it's very, very interesting. I watched part of it. Um, Cantona 92, right? Hmm? I think it's called Cantona 92, I think. I'm not sure. No, it's a United, purely United uh, documentary. We'll oh, watch it together in the house. So, and, and Paris Saint-Germain, just to conclude this bit, this section here has had really, I think they, when they bought the, the club, they had this vision already in place right after they buy David Beckham, which arguably is one of the biggest brands in football. And then mm. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I don't give a fuck attitude and really controversial football player. So yeah i do think that was part of, of the of the brand strategy afterwards you know what was interesting thoughts? about here what's what's interesting about psg is like they're not only trading off the brands of you know their their players who are celebrities but they're actually trading off actual celebrities as well i don't know if you saw um but they have a presence at paris fashion week they tie they tie up with like proper like designers who like interpret the brand in like really really crazy crazy high fashion ways Mm -hmm. um and that they're just saying hey for me what they're saying is hey psg it's not a football brand it's also a fashion brand they're well known for inviting celebrities to their champions league games like kanye like jay-z like rihanna all spotted at these games I, in the same way that you know at a basketball game you know that front row it's like a who's who of like important people and celebrities it's kind of that kind of vibe and what's really interesting, I don't know if you've ever seen this. Have you ever seen someone walk down the street wearing a football shirt when they're definitely not going to watch football or they're just like trying yeah. to look cool? Yeah, in, in Madrid, you see that a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So I don't see that a lot here in the UK. And I saw somebody doing it the, the other day with a, a Manchester United shirt. And I wanted to see, so this bloke, he was definitely wasn't going to a football game. He looked like he was kind of going on a night out. He was wearing a Manchester United shirt. And I was like, oh my God, like, come on. Did it say Ronaldo you know, in the back? No, no. It said Ronaldo on the back. No, yeah, it said Ronaldo on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, okay. And I think it's the same thing with PSG. Like you see people wearing PSG shirts, trying, like being fashionable, and it's not just like their football shirt. They've got their brand and a load of like streetwear kind of stuff, uh, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like this brand, right? Because it seems like there's a story of like this PSG was like a nothing club. They were pretty bad footballing performance up until a few years before they got bought out. They also trade off the brands of other. Sorry. Not only do they trade off the personal brands of the football players and celebrities and stuff like that, but also partner brands as well. I don't know if you've seen, uh, but I can't remember when it started. But basically, during Champions League games, instead of the Nike tick on a on a football jersey that the players are wearing, it's the Air Jordan logo. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, Air Jordan is a is a brand, sub brand of Nike, and as much as it is a basketball shoe brand and that kind of stuff, it's also a fashion brand as well. Um, and also, I don't know if you've seen, PSG did a really cool, uh, it's quite quite commonplace where they substitute the Eiffel Tower in the middle of their logo, um, and they actually put the uh, Air Jordan. Air dunk, Jordan logo, uh, yeah. Which is really cool as well. Um, yeah. And for me, it's like PSG are like, well, look, how do we make this brand massive? We use other brands to help get us there. We use the players, we use celebrities, and we use um, 
and we use other brands as well. And what's interesting for me, summing all of this up, is Justin Timberlake did a performance with a PSG jacket. And it was, it, from the front, it looked like a really cool kind of like streetwear style jacket. And on the back, it had a huge PSG Air Jordan logo mm-hmm. uh, on the back of it. And, you know, Justin Timberlake is saying it, you know, who are we to argue? I wonder if, if that's uh, how those decisions are made on... on... Do, do you think the, the Emir of Qatar is just basically sitting down and they just say, yeah, we should partner with X, Y, and Z? Because if you think about it, they are very they are partnering quite a lot with very Western brands, and and I do think that the Chinese football market it's something that is growing quite a lot. Like, you know what I mean? There is a massive value in if you go to, into that direction. Um, yeah, and but not only that, but I was reading into it. The whole thing is about America. So in some states in the U.S., uh, even though they've got MLS, which is the Major League Soccer, which is like their Premier League, yeah, more people are in some state, I think it's like eight states in the US, there are more fans of PSG than any other football club in those states. So it's working and it's about the states. And the same reason why F1 is pushing into the states as well. So sport is this commodity and the states don't have a lot of football. And I'm going to use the word football because that's the right one, yeah. not soccer. Uh, they don't have a lot of uh, you know great 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 football there. And I think there's even talk of like doing pre-mat, uh, pre-season friendlies and that kind of stuff in, in America as well. Yeah, yeah, they so, have done quite um, a few, yeah. That's okay, what it's about. Interesting. So the strategy is just push that to the to to the US even to the states, less. yeah. Okay. Nice. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, uh, that's actually a nice segue to can design with people over. Um and the answer is yes and no. <laughs> so my argument here is that you can build brand awareness and equity with players and and increase part of your fine fan base but the ultimate loyalty um, is built on on the field and how you behave over a longer period of time it's not a thing that you can win it's not a, it's not your instagram followers is is the actual people who who are willing to fight for the club and are actually to be willing to be fans since they're born until they die and and those are the type of superpower users or super users that amazon calls how what's it what's the term here again super users or power, power users? Power users. Power users. Power users, yeah. yeah. Those are the ones that, that will really drive the, the value of the club forward. And I have a few stats here that would actually, that was quite interesting. Um, just to, to see how how the growth of Paris Saint-Germain has, has been. So in, in the fiscal year of 2018 and 2019, they announced the record revenue of 637.8 million euros, which was the highest it has been. And since 2013 to 2019, they almost grew a, a revenue in, the revenue increased about 50% in those six years that they were acquired. So that was actually quite interesting to see um, that it somehow is actually working, right? Financially. Um, if we compare with the, with the previous, sorry, give me a second. Hey, don't, don't make about the stats. Just, just say that their revenues grew yeah, 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 pretty awesome. The other thing is the Instagram following, which went from 35 million to 45 million in a matter of days after signing Messi. So that means wow. Messi's fan base is just directly, it's the same as Cristiano with Juventus, right? They're just going directly to the club fan base because there is a massive, those, I guess, I guess it's the same thing. People in, in cultures where football is not a, a big part of your childhood and, and you just follow a player rather than a team or a club. I guess those people 
are is where the market because are those are the ones that, that that have lower switching costs i guess yeah you know yeah I mean? you're right yeah so yeah. that's what putting it actually i've never really thought about that but i guess like if you don't have like your your mum or your dad or your family the reason why i'm a united fan is because of my family yeah um you know saying oh you're actually united fan don't worry um you know you don't have that so you kind of you know maybe you do get more attracted to a player maybe if that player's from your from your country as well or whatever else it might be so it's yeah. interesting yeah exactly yeah. so th those players in the us that doesn't doesn't really have a, a big representation in, uh, in 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 europe those have really low switching costs same in asia um so i guess that's what they're trying to appeal for you right all right um, okay so my my question to you then is has it worked do you think that psg have done the right thing because since since they got um, since they got acquired uh they've won league and like in every year but two years uh, i think they lost out to to lille um and uh, monaco um yeah. and, but they've never won the champions league which is the big prize that they're always going after and for the owners he that they're on the record is saying that the champions league is where it's at and that's what they need to be able to to achieve because yeah. they want to compete globally right but do you think it's worked well i think to, you can divide this into in two ways. Uh, way number one is has it worked as a brand? Then definitely, I think people are more aware and 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 have become more loyal to the PSG brand. And then on the other side, you have has it worked f footballistically speaking? Um, had they won trophies, right? And that takes more 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 and more time to get right. And I don't think the only thing that I I don't really like PSG as a team. Um, I, I do think they switch coaches, they switch players often, and they haven't built that key player that plays for the shirt and, and that, that actually plays as a team member. And, and that's what you need to win football. Uh, yeah, basically, you can have yeah. great football players, but the best football players win trophies and they win them together. So as a brand, yes, definitely as football, they might win the Champions League this year, but it doesn't mean they have become that that all-time football team that everyone will be remember all right interesting Sorry. my my my, my all-time football team that everyone will remember fair enough, fair enough my final question is i don't know if you've heard uh newcastle have just been bought out by uh, saudi arabia um what's interesting as well in terms of has it worked a lot of people say that qatar um bought psg to say hey qatar is football like we're into football and for some countries, that's like, hey, we've got a good league or whatever it is. For Qatar, it's we've bought a football club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they use that to justify, they use that to justify um, part of their World Cup bid. Um, and a lot of people look at PSG as a, just a method of justifying their World Cup bid. And of course, they got it. So in, in that respect, you know, may, maybe it's worked. And of course, you know, I don't think it'd be fair for us to kind of talk about Qatar for so long without kind of acknowledging um, it's not really the scope of this podcast, but certainly acknowledging some of the human rights issues uh, that are ongoing there as well. Um, my final question to you, Luigi, before we wrap up. Saudi Arabia um, has just bought, well, the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund has just bought Newcastle Football Club. Based on what we've learned about PSG, what advice would you give them um, in terms of what they want to do with the club? And their I think I'll just, I'll just do the same thing that you do all the time. I'll turn this question back to you. You're the marketeer here. What would you do? What would you recommend them? You are the you are the advisor. I, they hire you. I think uh, Newcastle should take a. Um, I think they should tell a brand story of look. This is a club that's got huge history, massive history. Used to be a huge club in the UK, right? 
uh, and in England and in Europe. And I think they should be telling a story of we're restoring it to its former heights. But they should also do a little bit like what Manchester City did. I can't believe I'm saying that as a United fan. But really invest in the local area a huge amount as well. And really focus. Because Newcastle hasn't got a brand like Paris has. And I think they should be responsible for actually creating that. And I think if they can do that, they can definitely overcome some of the issues that they're facing in terms of people being very critical uh, of their own human rights record as well. And some of the ways in which they uh, they kind of deal with with criticism, to put it lightly. But for me, that's exactly what I would be. Uh, that's what I'd be trying to do. Yeah. Local area and try and very quickly try and bring up as many grassroots players who have been through that academy, who will play for the badge, because that's a likable team. And if they're doing this to kind of say, hey, we're a different kind of country now and we're changing our country's brand, they need to build likability. And that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I see them. The difference between them and PSG is that they have history, yeah. uh, as you said it. And I see them as a potential Atletico de Madrid team. Yeah, but they've, I, got I see that. they've got so much money, so much money. Maybe, like, maybe, but their wealth, their wealth is like, you know, it's, it's a lot more than City. Like, but, multiple, but that's how they strike me. Magnitude. That's how Newcastle's brand, uh, brand equity and, and, and brand image, sorry, uh, strikes me as this Atletico de Madrid team that just fights for the ball like they don't have superstars but they they are a play a, a, they're a team that fights for for everything that's how they strike me all right okay well on that note uh we will end well, it here isn't newcastle we'll the, the one luigi the... needs to watch luigi needs to watch a, a newcastle game no and the newcastle like, newcastle they, they wasn't, wasn't that the educated. one for the from the movie goal yeah right it was when he started <laughs> they should sign that guy sand oh i can't remember uh santiago oh, whatever. yeah um no, it's a good point. It's a good point. Um, yeah, maybe they should remake it with like Tom Cruise or something. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Well, listen, Luigi, where can people find out more about the show? They can find out more by following us on Twitter, designed by us underscore FM, and following Ravi at Ravi's Occupied and myself, Luigi underscore. And if you want to follow any of the links that we talked about in today's episode, you can find everything on the show notes that will be available on Patreon in the description of this podcast. And when you're in Patreon, if you think that you can support us, feel free to make a kind donation there and we will reinvest all of this into the podcast just to bring much better episodes to you. See you in the next one, Robbie. Awesome. See you in the next one. <laughs>